And now, a public service announcement from DeviantCon.com, the Goblin Broadcast Network. This is Glavo. He's a goblin. He's been waiting in this tiny dungeon 10 by 10 room with his plus one longsword and his bag of 10 silver pieces all day for years now. He has nothing to eat, nowhere to sleep, and no place to go to the restroom. His family has abandoned him, and now his only chance of survival is to stay awake and listen for sounds of brutal adventurers whose sole purpose is to come and kill him and others like him. The sad fact is, Glavo is not likely to reach mature adulthood. And Glavo's not the only humanoid in danger. In fact, there are humanoids and other low-hit dice monsters throughout the multiverse just like him. Won't you join HACC, the Helping Association for Confined Creatures? Just ten gold pieces a month will give Glavo some defensive magic item, like bracers. Twenty gold pieces will allow him to bribe the kobold down the hall so he can take a break from time to time. And thirty gold will actually allow our organization to install restroom facilities in his tiny dungeon cell. Globo's the lucky one. We've helped him already. But there are many more little monsters who could use your help. Join the HACC today and give this little guy and others like him a fighting chance. Because a plus one long sword is a terrible thing to waste. Follow the Path, the Bears Grove Podcast, adult-level discussion of role-playing as a storytelling art at bearsgrove.com. Welcome to the Bears Grove Podcast, recorded on December 10th, 2006. My name is Sam Chupp, your host. Running time for this episode is 49 minutes. Today on the program, we're talking about Hack and Slash. Hack and Slash is a game style, one that focuses on action combat, treasure, attainment, power, and in-game strategy and tactics. And we'll be discussing it in detail today. Over in the GM's corner today, we'll be talking about my ideas for innovating in the hack and slash arena. And in my Game With Me segment, I'll be recounting one or two of the famous battles we've had in my D&D campaign called Stars and Garters. But first, news and notes, and then, the bear's growl. That's right, so get ready for it. This is Don, and Derek, and Jeremiah, from Pulp Gamer, the paper game pod show. Christmas is fast approaching, and we want to make sure you're prepared for a shopping season by giving you a list of some ideas you may have overlooked. Games. We're not talking about the brain-sucking console or computer games. We're talking about good old-fashioned spend-time-with-friends-and-family board games. Something to stimulate young minds and mature minds, even immature minds. The board game industry's come a long way since the classics that are probably still in your game closet. Let us share these ideas with you on our special Christmas shopping episode of Out of Character, available at PulpGamer.com. Have a happy and safe holiday season. Well, it's time for our news and notes, and really we don't have very much. I noticed uh, that the podcastosphere, at least in the gaming sense, is starting to wind down for the holidays. 
the harping monkey has gone uh, on hiatus, and they're getting ready for their big event in January, which is called Enwo Cremo, the International World Creation Month. I encourage you to check them out at harpingmonkey.com. And I have uh, had some trouble getting some podcasts out lately, but I am uh, coming from behind and getting some, uh, there'll be a literal deluge of content in the next couple of weeks. Okay, maybe not a deluge, but perhaps a, a trickle. It'll be better than nothing. At any rate, um, the Square One podcast, episode one, is coming out very shortly. I uh, have been very pleased to attract the help of both my partner, Cynthia Armistead, uh, who does the Fibret Living podcast at FibretLiving.com, and Miranda Thomas from The Signal which uh, and Firefly Talk. Uh, Miranda has decided that she would like to uh, learn how to play role-playing games. As a result, she's volunteered to be our absolute newbie gamer um, and give us some feedback as to what it's like to play for the first time and, and some share her experiences to assist other folks in um, navigating the beginning of things. She will be playing in our Out of out in the Black game over Ventrilo uh, that is now currently being released as part of the podcast feed for After Serenity over at the After Serenity website, AfterSerenity.com. I encourage you to check it out. We're, uh, I think the second episode of that podcast has just been posted. And, of course, I can't go without mentioning just a very brief moment of my goodness there is going to be a massively multiplayer Firefly game. I am so jazzed about this, and I just hope that they don't kill the franchise with it. But I, I'm going to basically be as positive as I can about it. I want people to. I'll definitely give it a good uh, look at it, and might even consider uh, giving up my uh, Second Life uh, stuff to be able to play Firefly. But we'll see uh, when it comes out what happens. Speaking of Second Life, uh, a friend of mine just bought a, an island, and she's going to let me uh, have a section of it for the Bears Grove. So I'm really excited about that. We're going to have the Bears Grove in cyberspace. So you, you'll have to come and visit when I've got that all put up. It's, of course, totally in the um, planning stages right now. Finally, I'd like to say, uh, I, I don't know if she even listens to this podcast or not, but uh, I will put it in the show notes and maybe it'll get back to her. But uh, my uh, daughter, Firefay, is out there in uh, the Bay Area, and I'd like to give her a very happy birthday. It's going to be her birthday on the 15th of December, and uh, she is uh, 15 years old, so it's awesome. And... Next up, we have the Bear's Growl. Greetings, comrades. You're listening to the Voice of the Revolution, the official podcast of Indie Press Revolution. IPR is committed to bringing you great gaming products directly from the people who create and publish them. Find out more at www.indiepressrevolution.com. The Voice of the Revolution, because some games are more equal than others. Well, the bear's growl this time around it has to do with two things. Number one, 
people who put other people down because of the game that they play. And number two, people who don't have any sense of humor at all. So we'll start with number one. I don't believe in doing the more cool than you kind of uh, insult to someone. I don't think it's right to look down your nose at someone else's fun and say, I'm better than you because I play this game, certain game style. You know, a lot of people make fun of hack and slash gaming. And I suppose in a way, you know, I did that at the very beginning of this episode. But, you know, I feel like I can make fun a little because I'm bringing my own perspective to it. I am a hack and slash player. I have done that. I enjoyed it. I will probably do it again one day. You know, there's something about a dungeon crawl that is fun. It's not the same experience as, say, the kind of high fantasy narrative games that I get into with Cynthia. But it's a lot of fun. And I'm not looking down at the people who play that way. I am one of the people who plays this way. At the same time, I'm perfectly understanding that there are some conventions in the style of play, like the fact that in a dungeon crawl, the monsters don't have a place to go to the bathroom. They don't have any food source. They don't, you know, it's really hard for them to exist, ecologically speaking. I can look at that and go, you know, yeah, that's exactly what happens. For myself, I can come up with reasons behind that, or at least figure out something to explain that in some way for my personal benefit. But I don't need it, and, and my players typically don't care. When I'm playing Hack and Slash, that's what I'm doing. I'm enjoying myself. It's a lot of fun. Is it better or worse than any other kind of gaming? No. The other thing I wanted to say is that you've got to have a sense of humor, especially in situations where people are not, they're not actively attempting to offend you on purpose. If you're a Hack and Slash player, by now you probably are already in receipt of a lot of people making fun of you. They call you a role player, R-O-L-L player. They call you a grognard. Well, you know, uh, to a certain extent, you just got to laugh and shrug your shoulders and go, whatever. This is the way you like to have fun. And you shouldn't let anybody tell you that it's bad or wrong. At the same time, have fun with it. I would say that it's not as deeply important as, say, religion is to someone or something like that. But um, politics, for example. But then I get, you know, I guess I'll have people who say, well, you know, no, you know, my game style is deeply bound up with my religion and my, and my politics. And that's okay, too. But, you know, the thing of it is you got to learn how to laugh. Enjoy life. Have fun. Um, laugh at yourself. Uh, laugh at situations. Find the humor in something before you decide to take offense. That's what I try to do. Sometimes I get offended anyway. But on some level, I do try to say, well, you know, uh, it is kind of funny. 
so that's my growl. Don't look down your nose at people and have a sense of humor. Thanks. Next up, we have the GM's Corner. Good evening, Jeffrey. What glories are you perpetrating at your table lately? Well, Judd, we are playing Burning Wheel at my table. And my players and I are having an absolutely wonderful time creating a game world together. I'm so glad that Luke Crane's Burning Wheel is doing well for you. And how are things at your table, Judd? Jeffrey, I'm glad you asked. Because me and my innovative friends are playing Dungeons Ampersand Dragons. However... Oh, quite interesting. Do tell, do tell. Rather than roll a d20 when combat presents itself, we are resolving combat through interpretive dance. My goodness, that's brilliant. Yes. When I take out my black leotard, the orcs quiver in fear. You should go on to RPG.net and post about this. People will flock to our podcast. No doubt. They will flock to... The The Sons of Cryos. In the GM's Corner this week, I'd like to talk about doing some innovation in the hack-and-slash game concept. We uh, all know by now what hack-and-slash is. I hope everybody does. Um... It's a, a, I'll put a brief description in here. Uh, Basically, it's a a game style where the focus is more on the uh, character development, the actual nuts and bolts of playing the game aspect of role-playing game. Uh, For example, uh, combat is, is accentuated. Your statistics are accentuated. You uh, are encouraged to be strategic in your thinking and uh, use good tactics when you're fighting uh, monsters. Everyone in the uh, player group has something to contribute to the, uh, the actual fighting of bad guys. And... Uh, Everybody has a job, sort of a role, and if you don't have a role, if you don't have some uh, means of doing damage or otherwise helping out the party, then you're not going to be a very successful hack-and-slash character. Uh, But to talk a little bit about innovations, one thing I'd like to, to introduce is the idea that you can have a dungeon crawl, but make it make sense in terms of the overall story. For example, when I was playing, uh, I was playing a game called The Heart of the Unicorn. It was a campaign, a D&D campaign called The Heart of the Unicorn. My players were working for a halfling army. And they were told to go out and scout for where a fortress, uh, some sort of camp of various orcs were living. Um, there was a orc war band in the area that was doing raids, and they were constantly coming across the border into halfling lands, and people were getting upset. 
So General Abrams of the Halflings sent my players to search them out, find them. It took them a while. They did a lot of marching through the wilderness. But eventually they came upon this ruined tower. And uh, it, it was up on top of a hill. Well, they were able to realize that, you know, by watching the place, because there was an ogre there at the time, they, they didn't want to get into a fight with that ogre because they, they thought that they would probably die if they did. So they watched this ogre for a while, and they sort of hid out in the woods until the ogre went away. And they saw a group of orcs coming back from a raid, and they saw them all sort of standing in the middle of the ruins of the, te- of the tower. And then there was, you know, it was a very dark and stormy night, and there was a flash of lightning, and uh, it was raining really bad. But, but for some reason, after that flash of lightning, um, or shortly thereafter, there were no beings up on the hill. It was just kind of like, well, where did they all go? So um, they had to go up the, onto the hill and look around at when the next morning when the rain had stopped. And they saw, you know, all the footprints. And luckily they had a druid with them. And the druid figured out that there was some kind of hidden trap door, a secret door, that led down into what was the foundation the basement, essentially, of the, t- of the tower. And at that point, I started bringing in another innovation, which is to say, um, if you're going to have a hack-and-slash game, it's best to have a real history to the uh, area you're going into. This tower had a real history. There was a real sense of, you know, for me, of what happened at this tower, why it existed. The players didn't know about this, but, you know, I knew the tower at one time had been the tower of a mage, had been the principal residence of a powerful wizard. Which meant that although the upper levels were destroyed by something, nobody nobody knows what, uh... Below that, there should be some interesting stuff. Well, they went down and they found the the basement um, beneath it, and the, there was really nothing in the basement. But then they looked around and found another secret door that led into an underground complex. And the underground complex was clearly carved out of the living rock with magic. Now... That's another thing that I like to bring in my uh, dungeon crawls. You know, I don't just say, well, uh, you know, this dungeon just appeared out of nowhere. I try to say, okay, this is how the dungeon was created. You know, it was shaped or maybe it follows a natural pattern of the cavern here. Or maybe it's a crypt and therefore it was built or whatever. In this case, it was the process. Um, occasionally, mages will bind earth elementals to their service and get the earth elemental to create essentially 
uh, corridors and a complex of rooms and that sort of thing, uh, using the elemental's abilities uh, to build extremely stable tunnels. And uh, so clearly that's what happened in this case. The earth elemental was obviously also good enough to build hidden secret doors uh, that tilted on uh, an axis so that you could walk right past it and not see it. Now, there was an elven character in the group, and I was able to use the special rule about elves getting a chance to see secret doors even when there's no chance otherwise. Um, But then I used another aspect of the innovations I'm trying to bring out today, which is to say, always think about what made, you know, who made this dungeon complex and what is it made for? What kind of things happen in someone's area? Uh, For example, in this case, it was a wizard's residence. So I postulated that in this residence, there was a security system. I mean, it makes sense, right? Uh, At some point in time, a wizard lived here, so there's got to be some kind of security. And I decided that there would be a permanent illusion in this one particular side corridor of a knight. And uh, my players were fairly new, and they hadn't actually ran into an illusionary person yet. Uh, So that was interesting. They actually got into a fight with this knight, and it took a couple of... uh, took a while, and they took some damage um, before they realized that it was illusionary and and, uh, broke the spell. It was... um, it was a dirty trick, I admit, I admit, but it this is the wizard's dirty trick. It's not Sam's dirty trick. The wizard definitely wanted to protect his uh, holdings, and this particular knight was guarding the secret door to his inner sanctum. Now, another innovation I want to talk about is the fact that when you go... Uh, into a dungeon, it doesn't make sense to have just magic items lying around. And because basically you have to think in terms of, okay, who else has been here? Obviously the orcs have been here because they live here. But what they've probably done is just avoided the corridor where the illusionary knight was because they didn't want to die uh, fighting it. And kept going further into the complex. But they've been through here, so if there was anything to be had, they would have already gotten it. If they had wanted to get some sort of alchemical supplies or whatever that might might have been in the storage room uh, in the basement, they would have gotten that. Um, so that would already be take, taken care of. So you have to make the, the rewards also match. My players know that if you open a door and you f- hear this f- kind of, you know, the the there's an outrush or an inrush of air, the pressure changes, you realize that door hasn't been opened in a long time. And that's a symbol 
to my players that, well, there's a possibility that through these doors there's going to be some cool stuff because nobody else has been here to loot it. And that section went on for way too long. So I've cut it in half. The next uh, half will be in the next podcast. So stay tuned. Next up we have Game With Me. Second Life Notes is music in Second Life. Second Life Notes is the arts. Second Life Notes is culture. Second Life Notes is lifestyle. Second Life Notes is the podcast you must listen to if you want to know what's going on culturally speaking in Second Life. SecondLifeNotes.com In the Game With Me segment this time around, I wanted to talk about the stories I've GM'd which basically fall into the realm of hack and slash. Specifically, I am thinking about a session of our campaign, Stars and Garters. Now, Stars and Garters, one of the main themes of Stars and Garters as a game was freedom. And towards the end of the campaign, there were a lot of people who had been captured and enslaved. Uh, It was a very nasty process. The enslavement happened uh, with a combination of of magic items that were put on an individual that made it so that if a master who had a special uh, object to control slaves wanted to, he could just kill people, kill their slave, kill a slave right away. And uh, there was word gotten to my heroes, my players that there were a group of children who had been captured by the uh, bad guys. In this case, the bad guys were a huge army of orcs uh, run by a very powerful wizard who was essentially trying to take over the world or and or destroy it. And the uh, of course he had his reasons. Just so you know, he had his reasons. They weren't good reasons, but they were they were reasons. Um, so the the scenario was this: my heroes had to uh, somehow fight a whole bunch of guys, get in to this pen. Uh, it's like a, a corral kind of area in the middle of the courtyard of this castle. Get the kids, get them out. Simultaneously fighting their way through a group of really nasty warrior orcs. So it was a very delicate situation. um, And people had to really watch um, the strategy and tactics they used. Now, there was a lot of fighting. Uh, The whole session was just one long fight. Uh, the monk in the in the scenario really ended up earning his name uh, as the intercontinental ballistic monk. He 
He was, uh, he was intense. And if I had known, you know, that he was able to do all that stuff, he pulled out stuff that I, I had no idea where he got the, the ideas for this, but, um, I might've changed a little bit. I might've educated my orcs a little bit more, but, uh, truth be told, they didn't really expect to have a full grown Changian monk, uh, who had been trained by a master, uh, in the, uh, in the fight because they had killed that guy, killed the master earlier, um, uh, luckily, his spirit had entered into um, an item that that uh, the monk had, so he was able to continue his training. But uh, at any rate, suffice to say, a very long, drawn-out battle, but really cool because there were a lot of story elements to it. The children especially were needed to be saved and... Uh, they were in a very delicate situation. Another uh, sort of hack and slash moment I can remember was when uh, the army of the orcs were finally coming to Blackpool. Uh, they finally showed up and they were going to take over Blackpool. And this is when, you know, all this, all throughout the entire campaign, Blackpool was sort of the center of activity. And it was thought of, and, and you know, in case you haven't listened to my old podcasts um, and you don't know what I'm talking about when I say Blackpool, Blackpool is a city in my world. It's sort of the central city, uh, the New York City of my world. There's a podcast or two talking about Blackpool. So if you go back through the, through the history, You'll find uh, in the archives there, you'll find the, bear, the Bears Grove that has uh, Blackpool in it. There's actually three or four. But um, at any rate, Blackpool was threatened finally after a long time of uh, just sort of hearing rumors of war. These orcs showed up. And what I did is instead of, um, you know... The, the mass of orcs that were in the city were, were such that there was no way that individual characters were going to be able to fight every battle. So what I did is I created on the fly a kind of, I created a kind of war game uh, where I actually created units for this war game and I had the players uh, be assigned to certain units and they move, they were allowed to move the, uh, the units from place to place, and they would encounter other units of the orc army uh, in similar fashion. But I allowed for individual scenes to kind of turn the tide here and there. Um, you know, so basically we would be zooming in and out of various layers of the game. We'd zoom out to the war game layer and do some wargaming for a little while. Then we'd zoom down to an area where there were several units in one area and the, and the outcome was not very certain as to what would happen. And then we would go into game mode, into role-playing game mode, and actually play out the scene as it was happening there on the ground. So it goes back and forth. 
that was extremely satisfying in many different ways because the players got a chance to feel as though they were actively defending their home and I got a chance as a, as a GM to make things feel a lot more realistic instead of just saying, okay, well, the uh, army shows up and you guys get together and they fight and, uh, well, you know, you, you all win or whatever. And eventually the players were able to rally their forces and get and beat the uh, bad guys back, but at the expense of a lot of damage to the city, um, a great deal of damage. And so that was the fact that it was damaged and, you know, I was able to incorporate that into the story and uh, change the landscape thereof. Um, and, you know, outside of my Stars and Garters game, uh, there's, you, you know, you heard me talk about the uh, Heart of the Unicorn campaign. There was another campaign called the Gym Light Game where I did a sort of dungeon crawl because the players were using an artifact that they found. And the artifact was a lantern. And it would project, every time you lit a candle in it, it would project a map in sort of a hazy way. Um, they figured out the puzzle, which was that basically you had to get a brighter light inside the lantern to make the uh, map show up. And so they they put that brighter light in, the map showed up on the wall, and they were able to discover that it was a treasure map of sorts. So they followed the clues and eventually began picking up magical gems that represented different colors of light. And after that, they were able to, every time they got a new gemstone, it was a different primary color. And they were quite surprised when they found out that if they put two gemstones of the primary color in the lantern, it would become a third gemstone of a secondary color. Uh, and there were a lot of, you know, dungeon crawling involved with that because each time they came up with a new, um, each time they accomplished getting another gem, they would have to go to the next gem um, and the lantern would give them the clues to go to that next challenge and it would always be some kind of serious problem, uh, trouble that they had to solve or a problem that they had to deal with and uh, it, it usually involved uh, hunting through ancient complexes and that sort of thing. And come to find out, at the end of the story, the entire thing was one massive test of sort of an in initiative test for a special society that existed before history. Um, the Firewarians, uh, it was a Firewarian organization, and uh, it was an initiative, um, uh, it was an initiation given from father to son. And so that's why it wasn't so incredibly difficult to do. Um, for a Firewarian, it was simple to do, but the uh, players found it to be a pretty incredible challenge. And as a result, they uh, were able to get through the entire uh, trial, essentially, the trial by fire, the, initi the initiation. And at the end of the story, 
they uh, were all given a special benefit uh, that represented essentially the power that they attained as an initiate of this group. So it was really nice. Uh, you know, it was a cohesive campaign that included a lot of dungeon crawling and hack and slashing, but there was one overlying story that sort of linked everything together. And next up, we have feedback. Well, uh, I've got feedback. Um, the first one tonight is from Arcane Gomi, um, who is a regular over on the Harping Monkey forum, and I believe the Dragon's Landing Inn. I, I'm not totally certain. Don't, don't quote me on that, but I believe so. Uh, Arcane Gomi says... Uh, my previous job involved a lot of travel, and it was the community of podcasts about gaming and storytelling that helped me keep my sanity while away from family and friends. The Bears Grove has been a real favorite of mine for the longest time, since back in the episode four or five days, but I have only recently been granted the time to let this vibrant community know how they've affected me. Hence this email. Sam, you do a wonderful job of keeping the wonder and magic in the games you're describing on the cast. While the Die 20 trend has allowed people... While the D20 trend has allowed people to create small-scale combat machines, and the indie gaming trend has wandered into an arena filled with narrative experimentation and freeform just-in-time setting creation, your calm voice and evocative description span all games and systems. No matter what game you're at the table playing, I can sense the mysteries and intrigue you've got brewing. Thanks for that. I've been a little more active on Mick's Harping Monkey forums than I have on yours. I hope to change this in the future so that I'm annoying you just as much as I bother Mick. I just listened to the wonderful guest spot you did for the Harping Monkeys roundtable regarding ethos and system and setting. Great stuff. Never despair, sir. Your efforts are genuinely appreciated out here in the wilds of the world. Thanks so much for keeping the storyteller alive. Pax Omnium Veritas. And I really do appreciate that. Um, this was one of those fan mails that comes in, and uh, it co usually comes in on the, uh, for me, it comes in on a really bad day, typically. A, a day where I really need somebody to say nice things to me. And, uh, in this case, that was, uh, that was definitely the case. He, uh, and I really appreciate that. So really, uh, thanks so much for that. And, um, as far as where the Bears Grove goes, it really just goes where I go. Um, I, I like the fact that I can sort of direct it anywhere I go. I've, I've really kind of got to the point now where, um, since I'm working with other folks on the Square One podcast, I've suddenly realized, well, I just can't, you know, make the podcast go the way I want it to go. It has to go, uh, it has to be like a sort of a group effort and everybody has to agree. And that's new for me. Um, so I'm trying to, to sort of get my head around it, but, but thank you so much for your nice words and I really appreciate it. Well, uh, wanted to give a shout out to Mephron uh, for sending another message in. Uh, Mephron is a guy I game with. Uh, we played Mage together. Uh, it was it was a very awesome Mage game and really enjoyed it. 
So hi, Mephron. Thanks so, so much for getting in touch with me. I really hope we can game together soon. Well, it looks like you've come to the end of another Bears Grove podcast. How did that happen? Um, I have no idea myself because basically I've had several different little uh, setbacks tonight. But uh, hopefully with the upcoming upgrade in my video card department, I'll be able to be back in fine fettle. But for now, it's been something of a challenge getting this thing done. And you say, well... It's an audio podcast. Why do you need a video card? But my video card has been doing weird stuff and rebooting my whole computer. Uh, And it just did a little bit ago. And luckily I had saved most of the podcast. So uh, we were okay. The uh, Bears Grove is brought to you under a Creative Commons attribution. No derivatives, no commercial use uh, license 2.5. If you want to know what that means, and if you want to get educated about Creative Commons, go to creativecommons.org. It's a wonderful site. I recommend it highly. We are part of the Fireheart Foundry family of podcasts, along with vibrantliving.com, Dragonkin, the podcast for kids in gaming, the Bears Grove Bardic Circle, and the Square One podcast. Check us out at fireheartfoundry.org. Finally, I'd like to wish you sweet dreams when you get them, and hopefully we'll be back very shortly with part two of the GM's Corner on Hack and Slash and more wonderful goodness later on. Until then, thanks so much. Bye-bye. Music for this episode in the Goblin bumper at the beginning of the podcast. Song called... LG4M by Ash Vergy. Found on the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. Check it out. We close this with the rest of that song so you can get a sense for what it's like. It's also a nice little uh, bittersweet uh, melody for a cold, wintry day. Thanks. Thank you.